joining us for another amazing message from C3 Church Calgary. Our hope is that our podcast will equip and connect you to Jesus. Now prepare your hearts to receiving something new from God today. Welcome to church, everybody. It's really great that you're here. And uh, I have some things in my heart I want to share. I have, um, I couldn't uh, end our, our uh, relationship month without talking about what I think is one of the core competencies of any believer. And uh, this is going to be a very exciting message for you all. It's, I want to talk about forgiveness this morning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> and, um, and I've been, um, well, what happens um, uh, to me, so I, I, I remind myself of truths while I preach. That's what I do. So I'm going I'm to remind myself of this powerful truth of forgiveness as I preach. There's some of us who think while we're speaking. It's a frightening thought, but there's some of us, some, some of you think before you speak. Others uh, think while you speak. I'm of the latter category. So I am actually working out my theology as I speak. And, um, and I just want to uh, warn you of that and remind you of that. But I also want to then here's, here's how it's going to go, because I believe one of the things, uh, the reasons Christ came was to set at liberty those who were bound. Came to destroy the works of darkness, and, you know, for this purpose I've come, I think there's nine purpose statements in the New Testament, but, but he came to set captives free, and sometimes we think those captives are other people rather than us. <laughs> those captive people, well, forgiveness actually sets captives free, and the captives are us. Forgiveness keeps us bound. Sorry, unforgiveness keeps us bound. And so, um, so just as we address this this morning, I hope that it's practical, and I hope that the Holy Spirit will remind you of opportunities that you may have to forgive today. Take your Bibles and turn to Ephesians chapter 3. And, um, and I want to just uh, begin with a passage that's very, very precious to me. In chapter 3 of Ephesians beginning at probably verse, uh, I think I'll start maybe in verse 14. When I think of the wisdom and scope of God's plan, I fall to my knees and pray. I think that's a really important point. When we, when we actually get a vision of, of what God wants to do, it doesn't remind us to pray, it forces us to pray. We realize we can't do what needs to be done on our own. And he says, I fall to my knees and I pray to the Father, creator of everything in heaven and earth, and I pray for his glorious unlimited resources, that his, fr- sorry, that from his glorious unlimited resources, that he'll give you mighty, mighty inner strength through his Holy Spirit. Uh, one, of the, one of the great um, promises, I guess, or, the, or the, the promise of Christ's return is he gave us, gave the, sent the Holy Spirit as a guarantee that he would come again. And the Holy Spirit's activity in our life uh, should remind us of that. Of his, of his second coming and remind us he's coming again. But in the meantime, I pray that Christ will be more and more at home in your hearts as you trust in him. It's how we become, he becomes, Christ becomes more comfortable, more at home, more present within us as we trust in him, which is, a, I think, a synonym for, for faith, it's trust. And may your roots go down deep into the soil of God's marvelous love. And, and may you have the power to understand, as all of God's people should, how wide, long, 
high and deep his love really is. And may you experience the love of Christ, not just understand it, but experience it, though it is so great you'll never fully understand it. I don't like that disclaimer specific. That we won't really get it, but you won't fully get it, but and then you will be filled with the fullness of life and power that comes from God. I am particularly in love with Romans chapter one and verse 16. I've been living there for about a year where Paul said he's not referring uh, to Jesus, he's referring to the good news. He said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ because it is the power of God unto salvation. That means more than just being born again. That means all of the benefits and provisions that are ours in Christ. This is great, great news for us. I'm, and so, so the, the good news for you and I is that we have been forgiven. And because we have been forgiven, now it's possible for us to forgive. In Matthew chapter 6 and about verse 12, when he's reminding the disciples how to pray, he said, do it something like this, that pray for your daily bread, and I mean, and I think he means that we should pray daily as well, that we pray, that we forgive. And he says it this way, he says that um, in Matthew chapter 6, it says, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. And a little later on, Peter asked, he said, how often should we forgive? <clears throat> And, and my, my daughter, who is a, an incurable legalist, <clears throat> the one in Saskatoon is not present right now. <clears throat> when, she, when she said, how, 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 Dad, how often do I have to forgive my sister? And I said, well, you always got to forgive. Well, no, is, but is there a number? Yes, yeah, 70 times seven. So she went into her room and made a little grid up, seven. <laughs> 70, 70 times seven, 70, which was 490 times. And so she was checking them off and waiting for the day when she would no longer have to forgive. <laughs> um, now, nobody else is like that. But it, it, it is possible under law, and some, sometimes when our relationships are under law, we actually want justice. But our relationships can as well function in grace. And I believe that's where the free, where we find our great, great freedom from. Um, so, so the good news is that I've been forgiven, and I never want to. I, I never want to lose the fascination of being forgiven. And probably the best way to remind me of that is when I have to forgive others. And I find that that's actually a little bit of work, because. Because, because, you know, people are funny. And we think sometimes that we should withhold forgiveness because they don't deserve to be forgiven or something. But in doing so, I just want to remind us that they are not the ones that are held captive by un our unforgiveness. We are. That's <laughs> what happens. So it's an interesting challenge that we're faced. And, I, and, and so when I ask people about, and, and we often use this term, and we'll sing about seeking the face of God, and, um, and it says in scripture about how, how uh, even Moses was a friend and was able to talk to God face to face. And, and uh, it's very interesting about the face of God. I don't know if you think about that much, but whenever you think of the face of God, what do you see? What kind of a face do you see? If, if we're to seek his face, what's, what's that look like to you? Second Corinthians chapter three reminds us that we are unable to see Christ as clearly 
as we would like. He says that we actually see him through a veil. Have you ever looked through a veil? I mean, other than when you got married. Like, have you looked through a veil? Well, what happens when you look through a veil is you can actually see the outline of something, but you can't see the specifics. And, and I believe part of our time of prayer and intimacy and getting alone with the Lord and seeking his face is getting a good look and using the word of God to remind us, what's he really like? And I, when I've heard of people describe when they have actually had a face-to-face encounter, I've not really had a face-to-face encounter. But when they've had a face-to-face encounter, what they comment on is the eyes of Jesus, how absolute, or they've had a vision or they've had a dream, how his eyes are so loving. And when they look at his face, he's so forgiving. And it's the kindest, warmest, experience that they've ever had. I submit to you that our ability to look into the face of Christ and see someone loving and caring and kind may take a little bit of work because our experience with people and maybe particularly people who have been in authority or meant to represent Christ to us have maybe not been as loving and gracious and merciful and kind. So I want to remind us that, we, that there is a veil. That veil gets removed in Christ. It's not a wall, but it's a veil. When we see, I submit this to you, when we see how forgiving, and we're reminded how much we've been forgiven, something within us, I hope, wants to forgive others. I, I hope. And so, so part of learning to forgive, I believe, is learning how much we've been forgiven and being reminded of how much that we've been forgiven. Somebody said to err is human, but to forgive is divine. And to, and to R is pirate. <laughs> Thank you for laughing again, I think. <laughs> um, forgiveness is a divine quality. It's unlikely that we'll ever get good at loving without forgiveness. It's unlikely. If the proof of love is giving, then the strength of love would be forgiving. Let me submit to you a definition of forgiveness that I have used. Forgiveness is the intentional and voluntary process by which a victim undergoes a change in feelings and attitude regarding an offense. Letting go of negative emotions like revenge with an increased ability to wish the offender well. Studies over and over and over conclude that people who forgive are much healthier and much happier. I actually read a, a report that, uh, and, I, and I, so this is uh, un, un, unauthorized, but and, you know, 78% of statistics are made up on the spot anyway. <laughs> 78. Um, percent. Um, they said that there was a term, a specific term for it, but, but it was like something like this, that three out of every four hospital beds are, um, are filled with people who have emotion-related diseases, not physical diseases, but the root causes emotions. That's a, that's a pretty high number, and I can't back it up. 
But even if it's close, even like if there's an extra one or two, because often we'll think that, well, we're physically, this is an issue, when emotionally it's an issue. And, and may I submit to you that my hunch would be that many people that are in, in, on the psych ward or in institutions are there because they've been unable to deal with the, uh, what has happened to them and unable to forgive and release and let other people go. And as a result, our bodies have no other way to process that uh, but by somehow it going someplace and messing us up. I, I, once again, let me just say, the healthiest and happiest people on earth are those who have learned to forgive and to forgive well. I believe that. <laughs> and you and I, this, so this was the last thing that Jesus did on earth, was to forgive. And then he gave to us the ministry of reconciliation, whatever that might completely mean. That you and I now, as New Covenant followers, have the ministry of reconciling. That, that is a priestly function of standing between heaven and earth. And, and many times going on behalf of people. And that's what Jesus did. He said, these people, they don't know what they're doing. Forgive them, Jesus. Forgive them. My father, my father, he was Jesus. <clears throat> so I think this is a very powerful and a profound thing uh, to do. Uh, many studies have indicated that our health and longevity as well are connected to forgiveness. It wasn't me, it was somebody else who said that forgiveness actually rewrites our history. I think that's true. Forgiving is not forgetting. It would be crazy to forget what you've just forgive, or you'll end up back in the same situation again. Don't forget, <laughs> but you should forgive. And they're different. Your, your memory doesn't get erased when you forgive, but you lose the sting and the power and the force of the offense, and it no longer has any power in your life. That's what forgiveness does. It sets captives free, and we are those who are held captive by unforgiveness. What if there is no love without forgiveness and no forgiveness without love? I'm, I'm, I'm very intrigued by this. Um, so forgiveness is me giving up my right to hurt you for hurting me. Forgiveness does that. Most of us can forgive and for, uh, no, I typed that too fast, doesn't make sense. So, so I asked myself a number of years ago, uh, what would be the most important skill that I could pass on to my kids? I think prayer is a pretty important skill. I think a hunger for God's word is a really important skill. Um, I think about um, a variety of, you know, I think it's important to be able to learn, you know, how to, laid a fire and, you know, field dress an animal. And there are things that are important for everybody to learn. But after thinking about it a little bit longer, I came up with this is that the, one of the most important skills that I'd be able to pass along to my kids because I think it will determine their happiness and their wholeness in life is the ability to have meaningful relationships. Part of that has to do with, of course, learning about forgiveness. And, um, and so when, when I wonder uh, about that, I, I, I look through scriptures and I see in 1 Timothy 1.5 it says, the goal of our, of our instruction is to love with a pure heart and a clear conscience. And Ephesians 3 and verse 18 it says that we are to have the power to understand 
uh, as all should, how wide and long and high and deep God's love really is. Sometimes we think this, and, and to, which is not accurate. We say, I, well, Lord, I just want to love you, but th- these people are too hard to love. I submit to you that we can't be open to God and not be open to people. Yeah, but these people, they hurt us. We don't want, no, no, but, but that's okay because you can get healed. That's a wonderful thing. So, so maybe you have had a definite or, or some encounter with God about his love like this. But what about like this? And what about like this? And, and what he, he was saying, the author was saying, is that you may have had some encounter and some touch, but have you explored how wide and how high and how deep and how wide his love really is? I submit that that suggests to me is that there are dimensions of God's love that I will continue to understand and explore for my entire life and still not exhaust the limits of his love. This is an important thing, I feel. <clears throat> that there's dimensions of God's love that we do not know until we know him. And know him better. First John 4 and 8 says that God is love. <clears throat> love is not something that you fall into. That's a hole. <laughs> you don't fall, you don't just fall into love. But there's a realm that we are invited to live in, in verse 19, where it says, may you experience the love of God. Maybe you have heard about the love of God. My question is, have you experienced the love of God? May you experience this love, though it's so great you not fully understand it, but then you'll be filled with the fullness of life and power that comes from God. You cannot experience and grow in love without growing and experiencing God's love. When you do, then you can grow and experience greater capacities to love others. The Bible says this, is that we love because he first loved us. My ability to love actually goes back to my ability to receive love. This is a, this is a very, very profound thought. Um, Dr. Jim says that the seed of every positive human emotion is love, and so with that, I would submit to you that every negative emotion is the result of fear. That, that the opposite of love isn't hate. Because perfect love casts out fear. It's actually fear. That the opposite of love would be fear. God only becomes understandable when we commit to walk in love. And may I suggest to you that relationships don't, do not make sense, nor are they understandable unless we choose to walk in love. But you say, Pastor, what if somebody uses me? Learning to love the biblical way is the only protection from being used. The gospel is the power of God. It's the power of God unto salvation. So the greatest revelation for you and I is love. I want to just try to, in my last um, few minutes, talk about how to do an apology, make an apology. Something I've learned. Uh, uh, Can I suggest that we rarely feel like forgiving? and we rarely feel like extending an apology. Um, in relationships, because they're like life, they're not fair. And, and expecting 
um, relationship, expecting life to be fair is like, is like jumping into a, a pen with a mad bull and expecting him not to chase you because you're a vegetarian. <laughs> Good luck with that. So life isn't fair, relationships aren't fair. And sadly what we do is we want, we want justice. When something has happened to us and we wanna know who's right and of course, you know, with me in this little accident last year, well, it wasn't my fault, it wasn't my fault. Well, who cares who's right? Love emerges out of my relationship with God and the fact is that you can't know or experience God without love. And I've, I've said this before, but I don't believe any truth in scripture is relevant or real if it's not applied in love. When is, the, when is the Bible wrong? When it's not applied in love. When it's applied as a form of manipulation or force, it's never true. Because that's not the intention of how, how scripture was written, not the spirit in which scripture was written. When you try, so this is, man, I mean, I had, gosh, I grew up with people who were, had black belts in guilt. It was horrible, and they, could, and they could find a scripture and a verse to make you feel terrible. But it was rare that for me to experience love. When you come into the presence of love, and when I came forward that day, 35, six years ago, when I came forward, I said, what am I feeling? And the pastor said, you're feeling the love of God. I said, I've never felt that before. The unconditional, because I was a rascal. And I said, I don't deserve love but it has nothing to do with deserving. Same with this person who's, <laughs> you, you, we're asked to forgive. Has nothing to do with their deservedness or not. But when we understand how we have been forgiven freely, what God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, and while we were yet sinners, we, were, we weren't pretty and we didn't smell good yet. He, he chose to love us in this state and this condition, and he invites us to do the same. It's, it's un. Able, we, it's impossible to do without having an encounter with God himself and the, the true source of love. But once we've encountered that, it becomes doable, but not easy, but doable. And so this passage where it says, once you, and I, I want this, I, I want to experience the love of Christ, then you'll be filled with the fullness of life and the power that comes from God. The life and power comes from our, our ability to receive the love of God and then share that love with others. This is wonderful. Uh, love creates a response. It's my response to God's love that allows me to love others. When I know I am loved and valued, I want to love and value others. Otherwise, it becomes all about me and, and, and rather than me understanding that what I want to do is be an expression of God's love here on the earth. All right. We can free ourselves, and it's possible to free ourselves, but unforgiveness connects us to the unforgiven. Cutting ties, forgiving, and cutting off the source of that pain, knowing that when we forgive, there's no more, the, the story changes. I have found, that's why forgiveness rewrites history. I have found that when I have forgiven this person, because I can only see them or this situation, I can only see it through the eyes of my hurt. When I forgive them, I'm able to see them differently and for the first time likely able to see them through God's eyes. But only when I forgive. Somehow this works. So the secret of life, one of the great secrets of life is to forgive everyone, everything, every night. Forgiveness. Now let me try and give you what I think are five steps to an awesome apology. The goal of offering an apology 
is for them to be accepted, not for you to prove yourself right. So, so, so I think there's at least five steps in doing this. Okay, can I just say, first of all, that I'm not that good at this. I'm, just, I'm, I'm giving you a theory that I've practiced a lot and that I see in scripture, but I have to still work, I mean, just so you know, I mean, if I'm, I'm, a, I'm a, just a, it feels like when I have to forgive, it's like the first time, I, oh, didn't I get this? No, I'm not likely. It still requires an inner resource and you gotta draw on God's love and remind yourself of his love for you and remind yourself that you've been forgiven much so you can forgive much and all of that. Okay, so the first step in learning, to, in offering or in, in, in an awesome apology is expressing regret. When, when we, so it's more, it's, it's, it's more than just saying you're sorry. I think that you need to express that thing that you're sorry for. If ever you include a but in an apology, it's not an apology. No buts. So we, first of all, we express regret. I'm sorry, say I'm sorry. To express regret is fundamental in a healthy relationship. It focuses on what I did uh, or failed to do and how it affected the other person. It, and so, so what I try to do is I try to look for the evidence of how I have hurt somebody else. Uh, this, is, this requires the Holy Spirit flashlight for me all the time to look on the inside of me. So, so, so here's, what, here's what I know is the healthiest and happiest people are those who have learned to forgive. The ha- healthiest and happiest people are learn- those who have learned to do a great apology. And, and we learn to do this, I think, be, by, through, through practice. Now understand that when you're communicating something to people that your body language is louder than the words you're speaking. Right, so your body language is important. Okay, the first thing is learning to express regret. The second thing is to accept responsibility. I was wrong. I'm sorry. I was wrong. I, I get sometimes I get people who are who are um, getting married to repeat those things just just so that they know that they can do it. And and I also get them to repeat uh, the phrase I told you so. I said there now you've said it. You never have to say it anymore. You're done. It's done. So accept responsibility, express regret, accept responsibility. The third step, I think, is to make restitution. What can I do to make this right? A willingness to do something to make up for the pain that you caused. I'm sorry may not be enough. What can I do to reassure you of your love? I think one of the best uh, apologies is changed behavior after that point. Um, You're understanding the impact that you had on another person, another situation, and now you're uh, taking responsibility for that and being willing to make restitution. The fourth step is genuinely repenting. This is a difficult one, but I think it's critical if we're gonna do awesome apologies. Um, I think you wanna be careful about making promises at this point. I'll never ever do that again. Mm. I've, just from experience, mm. Mm. You don't want to, so maybe, maybe put it that way so, so your nose doesn't grow. I will try not to do that again. That's what I'm gonna do. And then you, you show that you're working on that. I think that there needs to be some visible uh, effort that you're willing to change. So, so once you've identified the offense and your part in that and you're willing to offer restitution, uh, I found about that point, everything gets smooth. That's what I found. Because, this, because people genuinely, don't, they don't want to live in tension. 
And you know, I'm not just thinking about marriage relationships, but in friends, in, in coworkers, in, you know, you've done, it happens in, in life, and, you know? And I, so just be willing to forgive everybody all the time. And if, and if you need to do a face-to-face, this is the one way to do a great apology, I think. And the last step, express regret, accept responsibility, make restitution, genuinely repent. And the last thing is to request forgiveness. I sometimes forget that one. And this is what I look for in being completely released from the situation. Will you please forgive me? And then you ask that, and you ask it out loud. This is an important thing, I feel. So, so if, if, if someone says, I met somebody from your church, what I want them, this people to say, and you know what, they've got an amazing ability to forgive. And I hope that that's because we've had, not because you had a sermon on it, but you've actually had an encounter with the one who's forgiven you. Once we have a revelation of how much we've been forgiven, it makes it so much easier for us to forgive. Now, as we close this morning, um, there's a chance that as I'm talking about forgiveness, there's a chance that somebody in your sphere of influence today needs forgiving and that you maybe need to do the forgiving. There's a chance. If that's the case in these next few moments, we're just gonna take a moment of personal reflection. And I hope that I've offered enough background from the word of God that if we get, when we're loved and we feel that we're loved and we're experiencing some of God's love that we get within us, that, that we have a resource now. As we look and we say, you know, there's some things in my past, there's some things in people around me, some relational pain that I can have actually some control over by releasing those people from any offense that they've made to me. That person that, and they may not, it has nothing to do with whether they deserve it or not. It's about you setting yourself free. So what we do is we, we get a picture of these people in our heart and our mind. And we say, God, we want you to love these people through me. And so part of us cutting ourselves off and releasing ourselves by asking forgiveness or seeking forgiveness, coming to the Lord for forgiveness, what happens now is they, the, the avenue for them to receive a revelation of God's love becomes very, very real. And so this is what we do. We become people who are forgivers because we've been forgiven. And those who have been forgiven much, you have that revelation, we should be willing to forgive much as well. So would you stand with me, please, as we just take a moment of personal reflection And I'll try and direct this through a little um, exercise of forgiveness. Father, I thank you today for your word that instructs us to be like Christ. I thank you, Lord, that you even give us the ability to forgive our enemies and to pray for those who use us and persecute us. Lord, I thank you that you have modeled that and that Christ has been such a a perfect example and now Lord we thank you for the power that you give us to forgive Lord we just think of people in our world right now and we thank you that your Holy Spirit is present to speak to us that we think of people in our world where we've been hurt or there's been something unjust that's happened to us wasn't right and we feel offended Lord I thank you this morning for the ability and the desire to release that offense 
So Father, I thank you that because we've been forgiven, we can forgive. We think of our family, think of our friends, we think of our coworkers. And we thank you, Lord, that in these moments of thinking of the relationships that you've ordained in our life, moments that we have in interacting that we can now forgive and release and let your love flow into these lives. Father, I thank you for the desire to forgive today in your body. Lord, I thank you that we can pray for people and bless people because you've given us the model and you've given us the ability. So Lord, we just choose to bless those who have used us and persecuted us. We bless and forgive. And we ask today, Lord, that by your supernatural grace, that we can release and forgive everyone of everything and no longer hold, hold back and look for revenge, look for justice. But we're going to put that in your hands today, Father. The safest place that I could be. Lord, I thank you for this body that we can live offense-free. And I thank you for your presence. And even in forgiveness can come great healing, can flow into our bodies and into our minds. In the powerful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. If you're here this morning and you don't know Christ as your Savior, we have a prayer team that would love to pray for you and lead you in that relationship, first of all. If you have a burden in your heart or you've got some pain in your body, if you've got some um, thing that you would like prayer for when this team is specifically prayed or prepared to pray with you and help you with that. So thank you so much for being in church this morning. God bless you. You're released. Go have an awesome week and go and forgive everybody everything every day. You're, you're released. hope this message has impacted you. For more information about what's going on, please check out our website at myc3church.ca. Now go change your world.